0: Buddy, I'm Chad Bokelman.
1: I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast, Episode 372.
0: That's right. We are doing a double dose. And no, Dr. DC, we didn't steal that title from you. Although, you know, whatever. Uh, if you want to con- say uh, an homage, it's an homage. You, you, you have all the ego boost you want. Uh, but a double dose uh, this time around. Last week, uh, I was sick. Uh, long story, I don't know if it was a, a, just like suddenly out of nowhere allergies hit me and just took me for a loop or if it was a summer cold or what. But um, I was sick enough that not only did I not be was able to record last week, but I also called in to work three of the four days I worked. So, uh, you know, it's real. Uh, but um, last week we were supposed to cover uh, the villain, uh, You're the Villain Sinestro one shot. Uh, but because we didn't do that, we pushed it to this week, and we also have a new issue of The Green Lantern, number 10, to cover. So we're going to cover both of those. But before we get to that, but we wanted to catch up on some uh, feedback. Um, this first one from Scott, Scott, listener of the show, has been listening to us for a long time, but has been kind of recently on and off. This is email this is actually from January we're pretty darn sure we probably already uh, talked about it uh, around the time we actually got the email but the way we do things is once we talk about it in email we then move it off into a separate folder and because it's in the main inbox we we don't know for sure if we did or not um, so
1: plus it's six, be- it's 6 months ago so, i mean actually no it's more like 8 it's more like 8 months ago so it's a it's a long time so it's hard to know for sure For
0: sure. So, uh, uh, Scott has written to us before. Like I said, he's a longtime fan uh, and uh, and listener and everything, and we wanted to make sure we, you know, at at least for sure do it. Um, He said uh, in a reply to an email chain we've had going for a long time. Hi, guys. I have now been on a Green Lantern hiatus for three years. It was a year and a half ago that I emailed you uh, below, and he's referring to um, his uh, thoughts on Green Lantern that he'd given us in the past. So I'm assuming the Green Lantern run didn't improve throughout this time. I'm coming back and starting with the Green Lantern Morrison run, uh, Grant Morrison run. Talk soon, Scott, P.S., still miss Sean. And, of course, he's referring to uh, our friend Sean Engel, uh, who used to do the Just One of the Guys podcast, uh, who passed away several years ago. So, um, I don't know. Would you say that the Green Lantern run got better b- before it ended? I mean, I know we, we kind of had our thoughts about whether Robert Venditti's uh, you know, story arcs, they always seem to start off strong and then kind of pitter-pattered and, and ended on a whimper. But – did you did you feel like as we went the overall quality kept going up in some sort of way or did it all kind of remain steady and plateau for for you personally?
1: I would I think it got a little bit better but don't forget it. since he wrote that email in January so he's he was just about to come back to Green Lantern then which basically would mean that he uh, t- he hasn't really read books since what twenty six since what twenty sixteen mm-hmm. so that was during the Hal Jordan the Core we were at in the Hal Jordan the Core phase then cuz that book ran about that book almost how I many was that that was close to 50 issues right it was 50 issues didn't it? yeah, yeah. so yeah so that's pre- so pretty much we're talking the entire era of the Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Core book yeah i mean clearly i mean and we we've, we've debated the reason why about this and i think that's always up for debate I mean obviously Robert got better I think naturally you're going to get better at what you're doing and I think he even addressed that when we interviewed interviewed him I th- and it's also a, but that there is also the x factor whether it, you know how much of that was just natural improvement or was it just how much of it was buoyed by the fact that he had the entire playground now at his disposal as opposed to just a very limited part of it but I would have to yeah I think I certainly would say that the quality of the books got better I still we still had we always had some like you mentioned the consistency of not stick the problem the problem with sticking the landing and the m- maybe some of the messages being sent which it's which is true in any book but i would say it got better so I'd, it'd be curious it'd be if you're listening to this it'd be curious to see what what you think of the Grant Morrison run so
0: far <laughs> especially yeah wait till this review oh god uh- <laughs> Um, <laughs> which isn't to say oh, I'm gonna have a, like nothing but bad things to say no, about this. Uh, it's yeah, quite it, a bit it's of It's a positive. continuation
1: of where we were last time. Yeah. Uh, the basic point is, if you are kind of like pushing your way through that episode, an issue, hoping that like, oh, I can get through this because the next issue is gonna give me clarity. Well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but however, as a cute little foreshadowing, my my luck in c- continually continually picking really. Im- Relevant Silver Age issues that come back into the Grant Morrison run continues. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So, and I, you know what, I I agree with everything you said about the the Hal Jordan and the core book. I would also say that Green Lanterns got better too. Um, Not in the sense, I mean, I I still uh, stand by the idea that uh, Simon Baz was a non-factor. I mean, sure he was there, and but he was more of support for Jessica. They never really explained his ability to heal people. They never really explained his ability for emerald sight. They never really gave him much development and agency. I mean, sure he had his his family sort of unit, uh, and you know you had those uh, interpersonal relationships there. So it's not like they didn't give him anything to do. But the stuff that you were curious about, Simon, they never answered to begin with. So I felt uh, your familiarity, your passion for Jessica. Definitely got better and better and better. And after a while you you just sort of gave up on Simon and said, Well, I mean, he's just sort of secondary to Jessica at this point and they're never gonna give me anything with him. Um It was just so it,
1: it was fine. Rocky though, because they kept because they only went through like three different creative teams like in the last like twelve issues or so of that book.
0: <laughs> right. And you know what? I'm backing up a little bit in my um in my uh digital stuff here because there was recently a um i think maybe a graphic novel maybe it was a a, a direct graphic novel or um uh, maybe just a really freaking big issue i'm not entirely sure uh that was meant for kids uh maybe you saw it um maybe you saw it uh Solicited or, or in, the, in the comic shop, Mark, uh, did, have you seen the the information for Dear Justice League?
1: It sounds somewhat familiar, but I don't think I really looked into it. But I do I, – but the name sounds very familiar, so I probably saw um, it.
0: There was a free comic book day sort of preview of it. So I don't know. Maybe you saw no, that. That wouldn't be it. OK. okay. So uh, it's meant for kids, and basically it, it is what the name implies. Dear Justice League is um, kids writing letters to the Justice League or various members of the Justice League, uh, rather. And uh, for the Green Lantern portion of that, um, they are writing to um, Simon Bass. So at some point, there are several things related uh, that we've we've not covered in recent um Uh, in recent times, like for instance, uh, we, we never ended up covering the Green Lantern Huckleberry Hound special. Um, there was a Green Lantern story in DC House of Horror number one. There was a Green Lantern story in the DC Rebirth holiday special we never covered. So I've, I've kind of set aside those various issues for us to get to eventually. Um, And my digital copy of Dear Justice League is one of those. But just because we were on the topic of Simon, and he's not regularly appearing in any DC book right now, I just thought I'd mention it. If anybody's looking for something with Simon, there is a kid's uh, graphic novel called Dear Justice League, and the Green Lantern portion of that features specifically Simon. So I just thought I'd mention that since we were on the topic. But yeah, like, you know, I feel Green Lanterns, in terms of like an upswing, I'd say Green Lanterns had more of an upswing than Hal and the Core did. Um, I, I, feel, I feel I agree with you though that the quality did go up over time, but it wasn't much as drastic of a bell curve or I, I say bell curve. That's the, the first half of a bell curve. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I think Green Lanterns had the, the better increase in quality uh, or in our desire to care for what's going on as opposed to Hal and the Core. I can see that. Uh, and then we got an, a voicemail from Corwin, which uh, which Mark is going to play.
1: Uh, All right, you ready? I'm ready. Fellas, Corwin, ridiculous. I was listening to episode 365. <laughs> Asking about an all comics podcast, I'm like, damn. You know what? I need to call. And I pick up my phone, and Mark calls me out. So, I guess it's just meant to be. Um, yeah, still enjoying Morrison stuff. Uh,
0: the last couple issues have been a little, little wonky, little crazy, kind of not as
1: entertaining, but still, um, fun stuff. But yeah, I'm all for a all comics podcast, even if you do it like quarterly, maybe just to say, hey. These are what's hot. This is what we're enjoying. This is what you guys should be paying attention to. Something like that would be pretty cool. So, yeah, go for it. Let me get back to the episode, and we'll talk later. Peace.
0: Yeah, Corwin doesn't know how to hang up a phone.
1: (laughs) It's funny you said that because I just hit pause. I just hit stop naturally because I thought it was over. And as you said that, as you were saying that, I realized, oh, there's 10 seconds left to go. But I guess it really doesn't matter. (laughs) Based on based on what you said, I don't have to feel bad for potentially jumping the gun. And go, oh, I just remembered. No, there there was no just remembered on this call. Um,
0: I'm calling yeah. you
1: out again, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, because he said he'd follow up, he'd, he'd get back to the episode and follow up with us again. But this is the only voicemail we have from Corwin. So, uh, Corwin, where are you at? Uh, so at least somebody got back to us about the just uh, us talking a bit about what comics we're reading and stuff like that. Uh, Corwin's the only one. So since Corbin's the only one who got back to us, <laughs> I guess it's a good idea if once in a, once in a quarter you and I just talk comics. <laughs> just a general – I know you hate the term comic talk, so I don't think we'll call it that. But I don't hate the term but,
1: comic talk. I don't –
0: have n't have well? Haven't we talked about labeling episodes like comic talk before? And we wanted to do no, something. I think
1: that? you probably said something like geek talk or some uh, shit. Like that. okay. that's the that crap I hate. That I don't oh, okay. like at all. So I must so I can only guess guess in the in the framing or context of of what you're talking about that maybe there was some language like that being bantered bantered about okay. or thrown about thrown around as possibilities. Because yes, I would have I would have balked at that, but no, comic talk is fine. Cool.
0: Uh, and, yeah, the idea of it, doing it once a quarter, because, I mean, we already do so many <laughs> – I don't want to say so many. We already do some – some episode, enough episodes that are not Green Lantern-related that it's like – I wonder if people are getting sick of it or not. <laughs> uh, that The idea of doing a, a comic talk episode once a quarter is, I mean, definitely feasible, and there's no way people would be furious about that. So – if you're against the idea, let us know. But otherwise, we're going off the one bit of feedback we have gotten from it, which is Corwin. Um, and as for him saying uh, the issues of of uh, uh, Morrison's run being a little wonky, a little crazy, well, <laughs> we're about to get into that in just a moment. But I did have a rant. Uh, before I do, I sort of monopolized that voicemail. Did you have anything about that you wanted to say?
1: No, I think I think – this voicemail was pretty straightforward by Corwin, and it was just he was directly answering one of our one of our questions. Uh, so no, I think I think I think we can move into your rant. I don't, there wasn't anything uh, pressing that I felt the need to add. I think you summed it up nicely. <laughs> rant away.
0: All right. Um, so this is Green Lantern related, and uh, funnily enough, it's actually going to start off sounding like it's not. Uh, very recently a bunch of stuff has started to come out on Blu-ray. I mean, as we record this just today, Season 7 of Arrow came out, Brightburn came out on Blu-ray. I I know this because I checked the Blu-ray web uh, blu-ray.com release calendar website or whatever, and I always put set notifications aside in my phone for the things I'm interested in to tell me, you know, hey and Fucking October, uh, on this particular date, the, these Blu rays that you're interested in are coming down. Don't, don't forget to go buy those. Um, well, uh, Endgame recently came out, same day Endgame came out. Um, cause a couple other things came out, including, uh, no, a week before Endgame came out. Now I'm thinking about it, uh, Hush, Batman Hush, the animated movie, came out on Blu ray. And I'm a big fan of the DC animated universe. Um, that being said, there are a pl- plethora of rants anybody can go on related to Batman Hush and the animated adaptation, uh, the changes made in that animated movie, and whether or not DC should or should not have done that. I'm um, the opinion that if they're going to... Um, adapt a classic storyline, they should stick with the major plot points of the classic storyline. That's why people are tuning in in the first place. And if you're adapting it, you're adapting it because of the success of that story. And then what, what made that story successful in the per- first place? Well, the original points of the story. So if you change those, what the F you doing, uh, but whatever, uh, that's totally fine. That's not the point of this rant. The point of this rant is in that, in, in that, uh, Blu-ray hard copy, uh, there were two inserts, one for the digital code of the movie, which I used and have on my voodoo. The other was a code that you could use to go to an official WB website and do an official survey that they had. There was a ton of questions in that survey. I did take the time to answer them all. But one of the questions had a list of about 20 to 25, I want to say, Um Comic DC Comics storylines, and the question asked you, uh, which of these following stories would you uh, like to see adapted in upcoming DC animated feature releases? And it asked you to pick three. In this list of 20 to 25 different DC uh, popular storylines, not a single one mentioned anything related to Green Lantern. As you can imagine, there were a bunch of Superman uh, storylines, there were a bunch of Batman storylines, there were a bunch of Justice League storylines. Then there were other things such as Sandman, uh, Green Arrow Year One, a couple of Flash stories, and by that I mean literally two, um, and a couple of other odds and ends here and there. Uh, Not a single thing to do with Green Lantern. Uh, the Justice League stories that I saw, um, I don't believe had any major Green Lantern beats. Otherwise I would have been like, oh, this is a Green Lantern heavy Justice League story. At least that's okay. Um, I know like one of the ones I personally chose was like, for his, uh, a good example, uh, Kingdom Come was one of the options to choose from. Um, all this to say We've been saying for a long time lately how it feels like DC just doesn't seem to give a rat's ass about Green Lantern uh, in multimedia or even in merchandise really if you want to go that far. I think as much as we kind of speculate on that, debate about that, uh, say this or that is proof of uh, of that uh, thought process – More personally, I feel like this is more proof than anything we've recently encountered because this is an official WB survey. This is an official thing that went out to everybody who bought this Blu ray. Um, the people who took the time to do this survey and everything, they see this, they, they go take this survey that goes, the results go straight back to the WB. The WB actively spent time uh and money to create this insert this survey in these codes to insert in the hard copy production of this anticipated blu-ray adaptation they spent time and money on this so the fact that this goes straight back to them the fact that the animated universe has much more of a uh, non-general audience um, audience seems to indicate that they know they're talking directly to comic fans in a lot of sense because who else but comic fans would know what storylines they're talking about in the first place? And they still, even though they knew they're talking largely to mostly comic fans, had no interest in bringing up Green Lantern. I could see if they were thinking they were talking to just general – uh, just the general populace but I mean you don't mention Greenland you know you don't mention Kingdom Come you don't mention the Sandman you don't mention um, Green Arrow Year One you don't mention these other things I think uh, one of them now that I'm thinking about it, Justice League Trinity War I think was one of them um, but you don't mention these things because in this this massive list in this official survey unless you have an idea of what this audience taking the survey is and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm repeating my points here, but like, uh, the it just seemed to me like more more concrete evidence than anything else that they just do not care about Green Lantern right now.
1: These are dark times, man. These are dark times. I was I think maybe because you mentioned because you mentioned that you wanted to talk about this it caused me to reflect earlier. Uh, the, it must have been. I must have been actually uh, later last week, not earlier this week. But I was thinking back to. It just seems like. It, obviously, if you go back to the Jeff, the beginning of the Jeff Johns run, that was a long. That really was a long time ago now. I mean, if you're talking about Green Lantern Rebirth, you're talking 2004 into what 2005. So we're talking about you know, like 15 years now. Fourteen, fifteen years. But. When you realize that at one point, what we actually did have, what, five Green Lantern books at one time, and that was only going back to, what, the New 52 era. Because <laughs> Sinestro did coexist ever so briefly, right, during it, when there were still Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, New Guardians, and Red and Red Lanterns. Because, yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure all four did, all four existed at the same time for a period of time. Um,. So it wasn't that long ago we had five five Green Lantern books that were pretty much – they were they were pretty u- unique in what they covered to a large extent, even though we did have the crossovers. But the, what each book was trying to get across was different. And now here we are where we have one Green Lantern book, well, for two more issues, <laughs> uh, which no matter how you slice it, whether you like it or don't like it – and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes probably again – it's not your typical Green Lantern book by any stretch of the imagination. So, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, it's like, it's like a chicken and the egg kind of thing, though. It's hard to know, is it how much is how much is cause, how much is effect? You know, does does DC not give a shit because the sales are indicating that they shouldn't, or are the sales be, Are the sales indicating that because DC doesn't care enough to make the investment and in, and to try to revit Reinvigorate and do something with the brand that wasn't that long ago was so relatively viable. It had to be viable enough, like you said, we it was it was carrying four books for a significant chunk of time and briefly five. So it makes it it's up for debate the reason I think to why, but yes, we are. This is that's one of the reasons why we've talked about this, and I and it's it's one of those ad nauseum things you don't you really don't want to talk about all the time. But this is this is a hard time to do. This is a hard time to do a Green Lantern podcast. <laughs> yes, we and we will. The plan is to do this. We will be talking, and generally speaking, at least in stuff that's taught with Justice League Odyssey and Justice League. But this is kind of like – but this would be like going right – now, right now, this would be like doing a Green Lantern podcast back in the 90s when you just had Kyle, when you had the one book. And except – I mean that would be more appealing to me, in all honesty because like, even though Kyle's origin was clearly not what a Green Lantern's origin should have been, really, but he was interesting enough a character, and they were trying to re- kind of like reinvent the wheel at least for a certain period of time, that it was an interesting journey. But th- but it's not like re- it's not like you should have had to d- review the Justice League books that were being done at the time, Morrison or not. Uh, so yeah, I this this is this is tough, and it's 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 hard. It's really it's really hard no matter how much our brains always knew that we were, it was that the odds of it ever maintaining – well, it could never maintain the peak of the Johns era, the Sinestro Court of Blackest Night time frame. There was a – you could have hoped under the right circumstance. You might have been able to maintain like a couple of notches below that, that this has now become a character that people cared about going forward because it does happen. I mean it's, it's not like the X-Men were popular immediately. I mean, the original X-Men were extremely unpopular, which is why their book pretty much got canceled. <laughs> the Hulk got canceled. The Hulk, <laughs> the original Hulk book, didn't do well. So it t- sometimes, it, sometimes it takes some, re, you know, some finagling to get things to work. So we, there was a reasonable, there was maybe not reasonable, there was a an optimistic expectation that maybe Green Lantern still could have been fairly up in the pantheon. Of where DC held it in high regards, but certainly you never would have expected or had it. You should have expected it to go back down to where we are now, which is probably back circa. You know, maybe I haven't checked the sales on Green Lantern lately. I, I suspect it's got to be doing. Still has to be doing fairly decent, uh, decently because of Morrison. But as far as overall enthusiasm, I don't know. I think I still think we're probably looking at the Kyle era, and maybe not even the, the, the peak of the Kyle era. Maybe towards post-peak
0: yeah i'm uh, i'm 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 sitting here at my desk in this you know new apartment in this little sort of geek nook i've built for myself and i'm looking at this wall of pops i've got in front of me and i'm I'm just kind of you know just looking at my venom collection of, of pops that i have here and the various ones there and i'm just thinking marvel is doing more with symbiotes than dc is doing with their one of their top tier characters One of their, I mean, I, I, you can debate what the line is between A and B list, but I mean, quite honestly, Green Lantern is one of their A list properties. If you, if you want to make the argument to that, that only the Trinity is really A list, I guess you could theoretically make that point. But like, I mean, honestly, in terms of A, A and B list, A list should consist of the main Justice League members, quite honestly. And Green Lantern is most certainly A list. Uh, so, the fact that Marvel is doing more with symbiotes, which, I mean, I feel like even in the comic book field, a lot of people consider symbiotes uh, jo- the, a joke, but they're or, or quintessential 90s or, or whatever. Marvel is doing more with symbiotes in terms of merchandise and story arcs the the venom run has been going so long now and now we have this absolute carnage thing happening pops are freaking everywhere they just came out with six more venomized pops and just like this whole thing is happening with more is being done with what a lot of comic fans consider a joke quintessential 90s trope on the other side of the aisle than is being done with the one of the DC A-list properties and that's just as much as I love Venom and as much as I love the symbiotes and will stand by them, and you guys know that. I mean, realistically speaking, isn't that just a joke? I mean, like that's a joke that that they're doing more with symbiotes than DC is doing with Green Lantern.
1: Yeah, I it's it's just really it's it's difficult. It's difficult to see I think it'd be difficult even if you even if you were somebody who got on got into green lantern when it, when it was just going up so you never so you got on the, you basically whether you were motivated to do this or not but you kind of jumped on the bandwagon let's say when the green lantern was an in thing and you never knew anything better than or any other time than when green lantern was yes. was hot so it would still be hard but having seen you know when you go back and forth when you see uh when you go from the highs to the lows, and you and you and you reach that pinnacle, then it's kind of even harder to see it rock bottom and and, and cradle out again. And I think it's or level out. It's 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 hard. And I think I, I know for me, I think that's part of that's part of the uh, enthused, Why it's hard for me to be enthused right now because it's just it's just not doing it. And it's it's I don't know it's. Yeah. I'm hoping... I mean, I still keep hoping that it's... It's You know, it's going to... I think it's going to turn around, but... And at some point, it probably will, but you would think... You would think that it's... N- but then again, we... You know, we thought they were going to do something to reinvigorate... Okay, I'm, lo- I'm looking at July's comic sales. I'm just trying to see where Green Lantern was. Uh, Green Lantern wasn't so bad. Green Lantern num- number nine looks like... I'm trying to see how this list is done. I think it was like number 38, so that's not so bad. Um, it's better than it has been. I mean, as far as before, uh, Mm -hmm. even the even the annual looked like it was number 62. So it's not. It's certainly it's okay. Actually, here's here's a here's a good little here's a good little. Looking at but the sale but the sales are still dropping steadily. I mean, if you move beyond the you move beyond the first issue, which you knew was always going to sell because it's a number one and it had Morrison on it. That just going from issue number two, it sold sixty four thousand or solicited. I forget technically. I think it's solicited, but either way, sixty four thousand one hundred twenty seven copies. And then for Green Lantern number nine, that's already down to forty three thousand four hundred one. And but other than the the brief uptick from issues five to six, it's pretty much been and even that was still in the 40s. So the last five issues have been in, in the 40s, and on, and other than one brief uptick, it's been dropping pretty much through the 40s. So clearly, it won't take much. Well, they're gonna they may dodge the bullet by the fact they literally only have three issues left to this title. So mean that maybe it won't go. Maybe it won't drop below forty uh, before before the book gets canceled, but it's knocking on the door of it no matter what. So that's still not
0: mm-hmm. you know, that's
1: still that's considering it sold one hundred thirteen thousand almost uh, almost one hundred thirteen point seven thousand copies of issue one, and then that dropped, of course, to sixty four thousand two, and then. So it's it, again, it's I don't know. This is it's not a great time. It's really not a great time to be either a fan or to be doing – probably to, to be doing a podcast. So Jim and Dan, they definitely got out they, – they, they still got out at the right time, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, no, I just wanted to bring it up. I mean I, it's it, – a lot of the stuff we've talked about is m- more speculative, lack of merchandise, uh, lack of news uh, from them about the Green Lantern Corps movie, uh, lack of beef, <laughs> la- lack of l- – Lack of lack of use of the the property on the CW shows. A lot of that is more speculative or just kind of taking hints and clues here and there. In this case, you know the WB spent time and money on this and had an opportunity to at least put forth some sort of um, uh, you know idea. And and they knew they were speaking speaking directly to comic fans. And they still. Uh, just didn't have any interest in even suggesting anything related to Green Lantern, so that seemed like more hard evidence than anything. Um, so I did want to bring it up, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, move on from there and go to the go to the recaps. Uh, so we're gonna start with Green Lantern Ten, huh?
1: Well, the ones. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. we're not. No, we're gonna do you.
0: You're the villain. Oh, okay. I didn't know
1: unless that. you want. I mean, if you want to do Green Lantern, if you want to do your Green Lantern first. No, I was just dreading doing the Green, the green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, <version. laughs> I I figured. Yeah, I figured because technically uh, Sinestro was the one that was the next was in uh, the uh, on deck circle for the last episode. It just now, the one thing capping off what you said, which made you know, we haven't even heard anything about the Green Lantern Corps movie this year, have we? Has no, okay. there been anything? Yeah, I don't think I don't it's think it's been it. so long since we talked about it, but I'm trying to remember if if there was even in, any kernel of of reporting about that. We've heard so many stupid ass DC projects either being banned, you know, being uh, thrown around uh, about. Oh, maybe they're gonna do this. Maybe they're gonna do that. And Green Lantern Core, which like, you know, which we, I mean, you, I appreciated your hope, but. Certainly, from my perspective, I mean, I damn well never believed it was ever coming out in the summer of 2020. And now you can pretty much take it to the bank, since we don't have a script, we don't have a cast. There's no way that movie. There's no way they were going. You know what? This has been a dirty word for like about uh, nine years now. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna film and release this movie in in like less than a year. It's like Name. I don't think so. It's 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 a friggin' joke. It's a friggin' it, it really it really is. It really is disgusting, kind of like how where where we are at this. But even even in the sliding scale of what a joke, a lot of the, the DC projects have been, and how things get pushed back, and you know the Flash movie. What you know, are they doing an Ezra Miller Flash movie? Most people probably don't give a shit at this point, and or don't want it. C- can we just make a decision and move on? I mean, I mean, how it's, it's like the Batman. It like, took forever to get that movie, and until they actually start filming it. You still, you still have to have a question about whether it's actually going to come off the way they, but maybe, maybe Matt Reeves will finally. Hey, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm leaving. <laughs> but it's, it's like after a while, it's like the fact that the Green Lantern Corps is just. I don't know, but that's it. Well, we'll, I'm sure we'll have more rants about this on a, on a different day. All right, so rolling to the to the issue reviews.
0: Yeah now for something utterly nonsensical
1: or <laughs> i was gonna say this for another episode you just just get the monty python clip it's like now for something completely different <laughs> <laughs> um all right so i this is not going to be the most you know, page for page review of this because this this. it's mine. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yours yours makes even more sense because who the hell could understand page for page that? One? This was a little more straightforward, but the but the essence of the story I don't think denotes that you need to go into every you know iota of detail. I mean, I'm gonna read some of Sinestro's you know thoughts in this in the beginning because it's relevant to the whole story. But so, yeah, so this is the year of the villain number one uh, for Sinestro, Sinestro number one on a quest to kill the gods. Where is the creative team on this sucker? Uh, Mark Russell story, Yildare, Sonar, Art, Julio, uh, Julio, excuse me, Ferreira, Inks, Hi-Fi Color, Steve Wan's Letters, Brandon Peterson did the cover, Jessica Chen, the associate editor, Mike Cotton, the editor, and Brian Cunningham, group editor. That's pretty much the Green Lantern editors, aren't they, for the most part? I
0: think, I think so.
1: I'm trying to I'm trying to double check that now. Wherever the hell the wherever the hell the this page is in your issue, that's another thing. Can we just have these? Can we just have the title page? But either way, we'll double check it when we get to uh when we get to uh you. Um. All right. So basically, what we have here, Sinestro gets sent on a secret mission by uh. This is this is such a weird looking Lex Luthor to me. It's almost like Darth Luthor.
0: He gets there's a, a, a lot that's been going on with. No, that.
1: I know. I, I'm not reading it, but I'm kind of getting getting the kind of getting the gist of what's what's been going on with with Luther uh, and his master plans and everything. But but basically, Darth Luther here sends uh, Sinestro off to do his dirty work because there's there are these giant beings called the Paragons that basically are jumping from planet to planet and destroying planet to planet, and of course without being stopped. Their trajectory will eventually take them to Earth, so Sinestro is being sent to end the threat of them. Now, Sinestro's narration here is interesting because of the way it plays out, and because it's Sinestro. And every time you get inside Sinestro's uh, brain, it's always interesting. Some people serve because they've, uh, because they've chosen a cause. Some people choose a cause because they need to serve. But most people serve simply because it's what everyone else is doing. But whatever the reason, ultimately, they serve because service gives the universe the illusion of order and then he adds to this uh, then again maybe people don't cho- don't choose to serve at all maybe they just cling to the first person who seems to possess the answer they lack who seems to be the answer they lack and by the time they realize we made a mistake it's usually too late. So Sinestro so Sinestro being Sinestro as he's getting just his bare bones, briefing at first by, by Luther. He goes, okay, yeah, I'll deal with it. He's like, stop being so arrogant. Let me explain the situation. But it's Sinestro, so he doesn't care. So Sinestro flies off to deal on, with the planet that the Paragons are on, and Sinestro, starts, who is the, and maybe, you can probably give a little background on this, certainly more than I could, about the ultraviolet stuff uh, later on. But Sinestro is is the ultraviolet lantern, is a ultraviolet lantern, so but the, He's using that power. He takes on the Paragons. He damages the Paragons, but he finds out they pretty much have have practical or practically have instant regeneration. So that is a major problem for Sinestro on this planet. The Paragons continue to destroy, you know, the cities and the people of this planet. Sinestro doesn't. Sinestro needs to try to figure out what's going on. And basically he, he he's able to figure out there's a microscopic civilization inside the Paragons, uh, the Microns. And the Microns pretty much—they their entire life is devoted in service of the Paragons, and they are the ones responsible for basically repairing all the damage at any time that the Paragons suffer. So it's not that the Paragons have like Wolverine-like healing; it's that these Microns are do, are basically doing all the work, healing, healing them. But the interesting thing about the about the Paragon about excuse me the Microns is that their lifespan is so small that pretty much their entire lifespan is. Like 0.8 milliseconds. They live, they die, they live their entire life, boom, and, that, and then the cycle begins all over again. So, but yet they're completely dedicated to serve the Paragons, which kind of gives you the, you know, the ties into Sinestro's little uh, <coughs> opening there about while he was explaining. So Sinestro, of course, fails on this first planet; it gets destroyed. Luther asks him how it goes. He goes, "There were setbacks." As like Sinestro, there's a reason I helped you harness the power of the ultraviolet light. It's like, but that power you can summon not only matter and energy, but the essence of consciousness itself, and everything else. And so he gives them this big, you know, pep talk again of, of what to do. Sinestro kind of decides, well, maybe, maybe I'm going about this the wrong way. So he creates like micros- microscopic versions of himself to go into the world of the Microns to try to take different approaches to try to get them to stop doing what they're doing, which is healing. The Paragons. So first he tries to play. He tries to play up the fact that you know, uh, or just it. It doesn't really matter. I mean, which order that you talk about this, but basically he he talks about that. Uh, he tries to make it. He plays to the fact that hey, the the, the Paragons are using you and that 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 doesn't really work he 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 plays up the fact that the, you know the lifespans are short and you're, and you're and you're spending your whole life just doing this you don't you know you you you, sh- you do you really want to spend your whole life as short as it is being dedicated to them and that and that and that doesn't really work so once again another planet gets destroyed and Sinestro is you know again he's kind of a little, little unhappy here but all but in all all the little microscopic Sinestro's come back to him, and one of them says, uh, "You know, if I may, it's like I would suggest a totally different approach." And he says, "You know, if we have another shot at this, this, this little mini Sinestro's like I know how we can defeat the Paragons." So what Sinestro's able to do is, it basically he, in, the way he's able to get the Paragon, the Microns to stop helping the Paragons is for something that's so literal, no pun intended, so small but yet to them it means such a difference that basically he's able to extend their lives. He extends their, he extends their life cycle and because their lives are longer and they have more and they these they're able to experience more of what let's say most living beings do. They get to experience the ups and the downs and civilizations and pro and protesting and vacations and and all these things that you know and because of that they're, they're they're engulfed by that and they just take advantage of it so they they don't really care about about helping the paragons anymore and at that point yes the paragon so the paragons are all are defeated and they're all destroyed except for one as we find out but and the reason why and Sinestro is able to keep that one paragon alive now being able to be healed again and now completely loyal to him because Sinestro has essentially inherited the role of what is, the, what is the actual title? Oh, I was the Minister of Information. The, the, uh, the previous Minister of Information is basically retiring, uh, and he goes, "Hey, I'm going to turn this over to uh, Sinestro because who's who better to take this job than the person who helped give us this longer life?" And Sinestro kind of knew at the end of the day that basically you're not—they weren't going to be satisfied in a way. That sooner or later they were going to realize that they would need someone else to serve because they're kind of used to that. So Sinestro kind of manipulates them coming back and saying, "Hey, you know, uh, people are doing nothing and do, uh, like uh, like uh, all the all these like get like the get off my lawn approaches. Like all these people are doing nothing, and it's like uh, back in the your ancestors didn't do this; they were busting their butts like 24/7. So eventually they go back to busting their butts and doing everything they did, except now they're completely dedicated to keep to Sinestro and thus Sinestro's paragon. And Sinest and Luther is. Luther's upset at first that the paragons are all, are all but destroyed, and then, and, but, Lu, but Sinestro just points out, hey, you told me to eliminate the threat. I, they're no longer a threat. He will help me with my work, bringing order to the universe. It's the work that matters, is it not? And that, and Luther just kind of ends with an observation. It's like, uh, this paragon will be loyal. You know, and he's going to serve me for the rest of his life. And Luther goes, yes, the rest of his life or the rest of yours. It would be interesting to see which he chooses. And that's the end of the Sinestro one-shot.
0: I mean, it's good. It's definitely nice that this particular one is relatively self-contained. I feel like, uh, it just historically speaking, the other villain, uh, Year of the Villain one-shots are going to be less so. Um, I'm sure there are going to be others that are more self-contained. Uh, one I'm interested, I think there's a Mr. Freeze one, but I'm usually interested in Mr. Freeze in general when he's more kind of standoffish, uh, kind of doing his own thing. Um, when either there's like a special or like a really hyper focused, uh, you know, two or three issue arc involving him. Uh, I can, I tend to be more interested in those. So I think I might be picking that one up. I don't think I'm going to be getting much of the Justice League, uh, year of the villain related stuff. I know this whole Doom thing is happening, the destruction of the, um, source wall and all the havoc that is being, uh, that is, uh, has wrought, which in some ways, uh, kind of, uh, uh, relates to what's happening in Green Lantern 10. Um, if you want to talk multiversal decay and stuff like that, but, um, and
1: we don't, know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, we don't. I, I did enjoy the art and I did enjoy, uh, the self contained nature of it for the most part. Um, As much as there's uh, context to know going into this, it's not uh, hypercritical to the issue. Even the power that Sinestro is using is not hypercritical. Um, You don't, I mean, based on what happens in this issue, all you need to know is that Sinestro is a lantern. You really don't need to know anything about the uh, power of the ultraviolet spectrum uh, or the unseen spectrum, if you want to say it that way. Uh, itself to really understand what's happening. I mean, sure, you and I, as Lantern fans and the listeners and stuff like that, will want to know more about the ultraviolet light. But in the the reality of the issue is, he doesn't do anything in here that seems hyper unique to uh, the ultraviolet spectrum. This is just something. I, I mean, I could see him doing this with a yellow ring and a green ring, wouldn't you?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. And I, I and I as. I just miss him in his Sinestro Corps uniform. It's hard. It's hard for me getting back used to him in his traditional uniform. As no matter what power he has, it just seems like it's a step down now compared to his Sinestro
0: Corps uniform.
1: Well, this, I like this. I mean, this is Sinestro. I miss Sinestro. It's kind of sad that Sinestro has nothing to do with Green Lantern books, but yet here he is and doing doing other stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I liked it. I thought it was a pretty. I thought it was a pretty cool. I thought it was a pretty cool story, and, yeah, I mean, it it fits Sinestro. It, it seems like it, it's a natural extension, a natural extension of some of the things that we've seen Sinestro do or would do or would want to do, the way he kind of manipulates things to his own situation. <clears throat>
0: yeah.
1: And just the way the narration fits, not only for, in the beginning, not only about applying to the Microns and their relationship with what the Paragons, but obviously it's hinting at his relationship with Luther.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to read from the dc.fandom.com, uh, the history of the Ultraviolet Corps. Mark mentioned this earlier at the top of the episode. We will indeed be covering a lot of the other stories. Uh, what's been happening in Justice League? What's been happening in Justice League Odyssey? What's been happening at the tail end of the Titans run with Kyle? Um, those episodes will be not more uh, like we do with these, with the issue-by-issue issue recap and breakdown, but more of what we do when we cover, say, a trade or something, where we do a very hyper, you know, uh, top-level uh, sort of, uh, here's what happens in this arc, here's what the plot is, here's the resolution, bada-bing, bada-boom, and then we get into the details of what we liked, what we didn't like, specific panels, blah, blah, blah. Um, the first one we were going to do is the first official arc of, uh, Justice League Odyssey, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, guys, I'm not giving you a date on that because we haven't settled on if that's going to be the next thing we record or the next, next thing or whatever. So, but that's the one that we decided we're going to do of those first. Um, so since Justice League, uh, recap, isn't coming first, I don't want to dig too deep into this um and i'm not going to read you their oath because i want to do something special with that uh fan, long-time fans of this will know there is a history with reading oaths and uh i'm not the one to do it um but just reading from the dc database on dc.fandom.com uh, the ultraviolet core is the lantern core of the unseen light part of the invisible emotional spectrum the heart of the core is a living phantom galaxy powered by a sentient sun called Umbrax. Umbrax moves unseen through space, drawn towards planets where self-destructive forces are strongest. It surrounds these places, animating them with its energy, and then pulls them into its galaxy, adding it and its inhabitants to the Ultraviolet Lantern core. The very first recruit of the new core would be John Stewart of Earth. Knowing John, Sinestro believed he would have an affinity for the darker aspects of the unseen light. Sinestro used John to draw Unbrax to the Soul star system and Stuart's home planet, Earth. its uh, in, in home planet, Earth, inhabitants as the ultraviolet entity is drawn to the most self-destructive populaces with inhabit, uh, which inhabit reality at the time. The core is controlled by Umbrax rather than each individual member controlling their own emotions. However, this is not always the case. Sinestro found a way to bind and isolate the ultraviolet power into himself using his original costume with linen fibers that can still that can distill the energy of Umbrax without succumbing to its thrall and now helms the ultraviolet core. John Stewart was also able to overcome the influence of Umbrax to wield and wield the ultraviolet energy through his own force of will and confronting to the negative emotions he held deep down. Uh, the only other notes here is that their emotion seems to be shame. Based on everything we just read, it can't be just shame. Uh, it's just kind of the, the self-destructive forces and shame and uh, uh, guilt and all these other things that you can possibly uh, kind of equate to the negative side of things uh, that we don't necessarily already have a core for. So that's your basic rundown of it without me spending, you know, more and more time rereading the Justice League issues involving the ultraviolet light, taking notes, so on and so forth. Um anything you want to add or mention there? I know you haven't been keeping up with the story, but anything maybe you've gleaned from articles or anything you've you've heard or read about the ultraviolet spectrum?
1: I honestly haven't heard all that much about it. I was so I was I I was intrigued by it. Uh I can't, it just sounds like that the fibers in his uniform being the key to this kinda of seems really lame on the surface, I have to be honest with you. It's like, Well we'll have to wait till we get there, I guess. Yeah, it's like he was wearing his underoos that day and that made all the difference. <laughs> thank god thank God it wasn't a thong, or else the whole universe would have fallen apart. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to I'm curious to see how not the thong. I'm curious to see how the how the uh, how that's gonna when I read it how it's gonna hit me, how it's gonna resonate with me. But that, yeah just, I'll, I'll
0: say this. I have read that arc, but I'm not retaining a lot of information about it, which is not a good sign. Now that could be because a, I'm reading a bunch of other stories that I'm more highly interested in and, and kind of float towards the top of my uh, to read pile, such as you know the new stuff that humanoids is doing with their h one line um, that would be ignited, Strange lands, Omni. Uh, those things. Uh, I, you know, reading the various uh, new issues that uh, hit from time to time, um, such as uh, uh, once in future, which just came out from boom, you know, of these other indie titles that I'm just sort of hyper-focused on port of earth, which you guys know I've been reading for a while. If you've been listening, Um, you know, stuff like that. Also the fact that work has just been like, you know, such (laughs) getting busier and busier and busier and, and to the point where, the minute I walk out the doors of work and come home, I just sort of zone out, whether that be watching TV or eating dinner or, you know, reading something. You know, I, when it comes to retaining that information, I have to be really enjoying it to retain it. Otherwise, I'm just passing the time. Um, so actively catching up on this stuff and the fact that I'm not re- retaining it is not a good sign of my enjoyment of it. But, uh, you know, maybe – Maybe if we give ourselves enough of a lead up, like, hey, three weeks from now we plan on covering the Justice League, then I know, like, hey, one specific day and at, at this point, maybe you know, because I, I work for ten hour shifts, so if I'm off every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe I'm recovered enough one particular week by Saturday to just be like, oh, good, I'm I'm completely caught up. I'm in a good headspace now. I'll reread these issues, take notes and everything, and see if it sinks in a little bit more. But for now, I just – I I have read that arc. I just – I couldn't tell you what happens.
1: <laughs> Which is a pretty good segue to Green Lantern – the Green Lantern number 10 probably.
0: It is. Um, so uh, the Green Lantern number 10, 12 parallel worlds, 12 Green Lanterns, three unstoppable menaces, and a one part of a two-part space fantasy epic, Guardians of the Multiverse.
1: Is that on the, <sighs> the cover that the standard cover? Yes, it is. Yeah, cause I I have the I have the alternate cover where he looks like r- friggin Ryan Reynolds haircut.
0: Yeah, I, I I haven't liked the alternate covers in several issues now.
1: I mean, I, other than the fact that yes, his hair, his head is way too squared. I I think if it if his head looked more like Hal, I think this would be an I think it actually would be a pretty awesome cover. But no, I didn't choose the cover. That was that was given to me, and I, there was no point in look. I liked it enough where I wasn't gonna go. Yeah, it has. Some covers yes I look at wow that's crap but no matter what the other one is I want it this one wasn't so bad <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so we open up um, kind of before uh number 9 uh the events uh the uh, events of number 9 kind of letting us know where the various lanterns that appeared uh to Hal Jordan uh the Bat Lantern uh Magic Lantern and uh Hank Hallmark uh, which is the, I don't know, the flashlight lantern, if you want to call them that, uh, were before they started this quest and went to go find Hal. Um, we open up on uh, it on Earth 40, 46, um, where in, – and in, by the way, in each of these, they're being summoned by their universe's rendition of the Guardians of the Galaxy to address a certain Universe. threat. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Hank Hallmark uh, is being uh, summoned by the custodians of the cosmos. He's <laughs> he's uh, mid he's mid fight uh with the uh, creepy trons, uh, and he's got his flashlight weapon, which uh,
1: that's so that's so lame. I'm sorry. <laughs> which um
0: which has seven power settings: flight, force field, strength cubed. Damage resist, level 23, teleportation, multi-offensive ray, and a universal translate function.
1: Plus strobe, Uh, I bet you. bet you has strobe. (laughs) Uh,
0: Then we go to the Magic Lantern on Earth 47. And I'm just going to read this whole page uh, because I'm a fan of Bill and Ted. And uh, (laughs) Magic Lantern says, far from it, alien dudes. Chill. I can score all the H2O you need from the Martian ice caps, and you can leave Earth with your heads held high. Hostility is for squares. Get with the blueprint. We are groovy. Or do I gotta kick your now non your non non and alien asses into the galaxy next door? <laughs> and then he gets summoned uh, and he says, says, Magic lantern, tis I, the ever living one, baby, the galactic guru on the celestial hotline. <laughs> and Magic lantern says looking very extravagant guru jaws what's up cosmic dude supreme he said what's up is what's going down magic baby uh super heavy negative (laughs) super heavy negative vibrations emanating from a next door universe call is out on all frequencies (laughs) and this is like super psychedelia it's really cool looking we'll get into all the art and stuff later uh, then we flash over to Earth 32, which um, if you 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 may kind of ring a bell with that one in particular, because this is the universe of Bat Lantern from uh, the In Darkest Night, uh, you, you know Elseworlds one shot, uh, where he is going up against his universe's version of the Shark
1: Shark, um, win. shark win, baby, which is more like a. Um,
0: yeah, you, you said shark one, so like yeah. the cross between penguin and the shark. Uh, he's more articulate. He's you know, honestly, you know, we did talk a bit about you know the the origin of the shark, and we mentioned like the how much it would have been beneficial if they kept going with that instead of just making him yet another king shark, just a big right. dumb shark brute. This is almost kind of to that effect. I mean, he's intelligent. He's got his own kind of crew and everything. So a that's. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, and he gets called up by his emerald construct of Alfred. Those of you who know, Alfred died in that uh, Elseworlds uh, uh, one shot, so that's where you got that. Meanwhile, back where we left off, Abin Sir, um, uh, Hal, and the uh, – the uh, I forget their names. The, the, the two sort of mystical creatures he was with at the time are fighting off um, – the, uh, is it the Om- Om- Omni? What the hell is his name?
1: I'm the- trying to remember. The cyborg, the cyborg Superman knockoff here.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, the hell? Whatever. We'll get back to it. Um, they're fighting him off. Uh, the lanterns that came to pick up Hal are um, are kind of concentrating their energy on him so that they can kind of deal with him, push him aside, and bring Hal with them. Hal leaves. Um, meanwhile, they're leaving uh, through bleed space. They kind of uh, they get rid of him, and this is this is through reading uh, some various uh, stuff online. I believe the solution here is they toss him into the dark multiverse. Based on various artistic clues and stuff in here, that's what some people have uh, either figured out or at least guessed at that they deal with him by tossing him into the Dark Moral uh, through the bleed. Um, Hal catches up with Strong Girl, which is uh, one of the individuals we saw uh, earlier on with the whole Superwatch uh, thing uh, and what was going on through there. She kind of updates him on what's going on. Um, uh, he asks where he's at, and... She says, uh, and someone chimes in with a big booming uh, narrative bubble. Perhaps I can explain. Remember me, and Hal says, "Those continents, how could I forget?" And over the horizon comes Ogo, uh, the uh, the conscious planet known also as Green Lantern. Why <laughs> is it known Green la- as a Green Lantern? Well, if you look on its the surface, there's a continent shaped like a flying Green Lantern. Hal Jordan. Where was the last time we saw that, Mark?
1: And I got to remember the issue. It was, I don't remember the issue number. Was it 12? 24? 24, I think.
0: We, we, one of our recent issues we yes. covered in the storage. Yes. <laughs> we had a whole two, episode I'm about it. two this. for
1: two lately in that because we had the uh, the Bowards, the Bowards and the end company. They showed back up, they, the Microds and the Bowards, they showed up in Morrison's run, and then we, do this, we did this issue. Uh, the, about the planet, the strange planet named or called Green Lantern, and then boom! And we were commenting about how he hasn't showed up since, and boom! Here he is!
0: <laughs> and I was saying, like, wouldn't it be great if they just, uh, you know, <laughs> made it up that uh, and and did some sort of clever story where it, they explained that this was Mogo, but now they completely screwed that over for me
1: because <laughs> with the Wago there,
0: I guess. Um... So the Council of Green Lanterns, uh, circles up from uh, across the multiverse. And in addition to the lanterns we've already been introduced to, we also have the Tangent Green Lantern, uh, the one that has the, the female that has the kind of shepherd's staff with the lantern on it. Her ability is to raise the dead, um, for a little bit to, to assist her. We also have the Just Imagine Stan Lee, uh, Green Lantern, who is more sort of, uh, his universe's sort of swamp thing. Uh, if you want to say it like that. Um, uh, We also have uh, a a few others here. Uh, They kind of catch each other up on what they've been doing, what's been going on They're Basically, the whole thing is that Star Sapphire of uh, Earth-11 is missing, and and I believe in her quest, or in the team's quest, to find and utilize, uh, I guess, the Cosmic Grail from uh, Earth-15. The Lantern... Uh, From The tangent Green Lantern shows how, and I guess by extension us, the Orrery of Worlds, and um, there are certain worlds that are marked. Uh, There are seven unknown worlds that are inaccessible, unmapped, and locked. Uh, The monitors left no way to reach them. Um, So they uh, say they need to go to Earth-15 because the multiverse is dying, uh, and they need to find uh, Star Sapphire as well. The who is they said specifically Carol Ferris. Um, meanwhile, in our world, quote unquote, in their universe, uh, one of the other heroes of the Super Watch, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Car Hal Car, um, is speaking with several of the other Lanterns uh, that we've seen before, that Volcano Lantern. Uh, Chrysalon, a few others who are kind of uh, dealing with the destruction that has been uh, happening to the Superwatch and the planet they were on. Uh, while they're looking at this, uh, coming through the Gamma Storm is another creature which is holding Superwoman of Starle. Uh And then we flash back over to Earth-15 where a contingent of the Lanterns has arrived. This is the Bat-Lantern, Hal um magic lantern um the flashlight lantern as well as the tangent lantern because earth 15 is a dead earth um the tangent lantern uses her power to raise uh some of the dead to figure out what's going on she raises up superman batman and wonder woman of this earth who tell her leave us alone we want to sleep quietly she says uh, the multiverse is sink. Uh, sick. Does the cup hold the cure? We seek lost friends. They say it holds poison, it holds darkness, it holds cruelty, it is illusion. Um, they. Uh, uh, Bat-Lantern mentions that they've lost contact with headquarters. They're talking about the Cosmic Grail. Um, the Tangent Lantern says, can't you hear him? It's here. The voices say it's here. Her lantern explodes uh, and you can see in the very next panel that she's starting to age, and they mention without her lantern, her she ages to death in minutes. Uh, suddenly they're confronted by this big uh, uh, alien, or possibly robotic, because he seems like he has metallic sheen to him. Uh, lantern holding a similar lantern to the Tangent lantern, but his is atop a... You know, uh, a straight up and down staff rather than dangling off of a crook. He says, never to leave this place. Come close, champions of the living lantern. The night ahead is long and dark, and I have a tale to tell. And it says, to be continued. Uh, and the credits page. Grant Morrison, writer Liam Sharp, art and cover. Steve Olive, colors. Um, Tom Morse, letters. Uh, Carrie Andrews variant cover Jessica Chan associate editor and Brian Cunningham is the editor so right off the bat I have to to say uh, Liam kills it in this issue I mean so many beautiful visuals I really really like the the page uh, with magic lantern the first page there The various artistic cues there, the zaniness of some of the concepts designs, the fact that he kind of worked the word groovy into the design in there. Uh it just looks super cool. Uh he gets to play with a lot of stuff, maybe even create some designs, because I'm pretty sure we've never seen, like, for instance, Shark from Earth 32. Um, that's that's super cool. They mention a lot of uh antimatter stuff here. So actually this um Qua Man or, or, or uh, Quard Man or whatever he's referred to. I'm pretty sure this is the um, version of Hal or whatever that was set loose at the end of like the first issue that we we're all thinking about. Because yeah, he was half and half. Um, lots of cool visuals. It's just amazing stuff. Um, almost every page. I really enjoyed a lot of that. Um, I mean strong girl uh marta she's super uh super sexy he does he spends a lot of time on her and the fact that you know you can kind of tell how's flirting with her a bit so you know you got to throw in some seduction there the fact that he worked in the design of the of the continent of green lantern and all these various touches like for instance you know, uh, the Tangent Lantern, showing how a construct of the Orrery of Worlds, you could have just shown the Orrery. You didn't have to do this cool little window design all around it, too. Um, uh, the Before they go into the transmitter cube to get to Earth-15, you, you could have just, you know, Abin right there standing in front of a bank of screens. You could have just had a bank of screens. Look at the freaking detail on those all around them. A lot of this stuff is just super cool. The detail of Earth-15, when they're in the destroyed city, all the various little touches there. I mean, it's just fantastic looking all around. And of course, you know, Morrison is Morrison in this, and he gets super Morrison here, but I mean, I, I still say he's not even a, he's not even peak Morrison in this one as much as he's playing with multiverse stuff. But I'm wondering if... And we did... There's obviously a delay between when this came out and when we're covering it, so it's not like... There, There isn't one that we could have taken better advantage of, but I'm wondering if from now on uh, we should just stop <laughs> even attempting to cover these as soon as possible, because as much as I hate the idea of essentially having to do a damn book report in order to cover <laughs> an issue of this <laughs> – I feel like we need to wait a little bit so that we can do some significant research to figure out who's what, where they're from, reference the issue that they appeared in, maybe give some background knowledge and that kind of thing. Because, my God, is there so much stuff here that I feel like we should be expanding on and telling people where to find more information? I mean, because we are the Lantern Cast, but Jesus Christ, (laughs) Um, I I needed a full day (laughs) that I just didn't have to... Take a look and research every single one of these names, characters, places, um, what's happened in what universe and where and why. Holy crap.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sums it up nicely. Uh, <laughs> Done. All right, guys. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. The fact that we know this book only has two more issues in it means that besides it makes you wonder what exactly is going on in, in this whole mess, I mean – since we know it's going to be tied back into Control the Moo uh, at the end, and the, and the Black Stars are going to at least temporarily be back in some, some way, shape, or form in the mini-series that follows, to me, it just makes me wonder how much of this is – maybe this is all occur- – all, all this shit's occurring in Hal's head. It makes me wonder if – because we think he's – because last time we thought he succeeded in stopping that super weapon. Maybe he didn't succeed at all. Or maybe he's in a coma or something because all these, all these weird things have been going on to him ever since but we don't, but the fact that we only have two issues left in this book so for now and it's we're not we're not going to get a whole the problem with stuff like this is we're not going to get a whole lot of answers we might get some plot points you'd like to think some answers to the basic maybe what's going on and who is behind it maybe but you do need like a primer. and yeah it's like you need a primer it's like you need it's like you need a cheat sheet or
0: editor notes or whatever.
1: And it, 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 it reminds, and I don't know if I mentioned this when we went when we did the last issue, but if I did, forgive me. It reminds me when I was a kid when when they when Dune came out when the first version. I say first because obviously they're going to have the new version of Dune out soon. But the uh, when with Sean Young and uh, what Kyle McLaughlin I think that they like literally handed handed you a sheet of paper. Going into that movie with with notes and everything, telling you all the different cl- houses and things like that, and because because otherwise you probably would be friggin' clueless if you hadn't read the books to what was to what was going on there. And that's what that's what this is like. Except for the fact that <laughs> except for the fact that we technically had been reading the books, as far as Green Lantern books, and we still don't know a lot <laughs> what's going on because he's bringing in shit from all over the place. For people who like Grant Morrison, this, the last few issues probably have been really up their alley. For people who don't like Grant Morrison or always are leery about Grant Morrison going full on Grant Morrison, and we don't want you to never go full Grant Morrison. <laughs> that this is the kind of shit that turns you off. Those kind of people, because this is just—it's not an enjoyable read. You can like the art, you can like—you can pick up on some cool things that are going on in it. Even conceptually, you can like it, but it's not straightforward. And you got to one issue of this thinking, yeah, maybe the next issue is going to make it make it more clear. No, not at all. Not even close. So maybe the next issue is going to make it more clear. Probably not. And then issue 12 probably might have nothing to do with this shit because we're going to be wrapping up the entire – everything. That was, all the dangling plot points that were created in this arc, or this book when it first was created, are all going to probably come back to fruition because we need to have this mis-, mis- this weird ending in which the Green Lantern Corps doesn't exist, but the Black Stars are basically the dominant force in the universe. I don't know. Uh,
0: I mean, like I said, it, I didn't just enjoy it because of the art. I mean, there. Were, I, despite my my uh, confusion, utter confusion in places, I did enjoy the story. I mean, it's it's this wild multiversal Green Lantern. L- l- you know, ride. I've always wanted to know more about the cosmic grail because it's always been this thing that's there's been like no information of. It's been lost, and that's sort of all we knew about it. And the fact that Morrison's finally going to take the time to explore it and, and give us some more information on it and, and things like that. That's 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 a great thing to do. And you're bringing in this Silver Age stuff again with uh, with a lantern, uh, with 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 the Green Lantern planet and. Uh, you're bringing in just imagine and tangent and and Bat Lantern, which I like so much, and Magic Lantern, and uh, you know these these things are super cool. You're still even giving this a sort of Green Lantern core feel by having these other lanterns return and deal with the kind of cleanup of the stuff that happened to the Super Watch and what's going on with the uh, with the, uh, uh, the the creature that came through the Gamma Storm here, and it, you know it's. It's definitely a fun cosmic book, and I did enjoy it. But if you wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty, if you want me as one of the lanternologists to sit here and give you more information on what's happening, who is this, where did they come from, uh, what is Grant Morrison referencing here, 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 and here. There's just so much effing information in this comic. I need to do more research on this than I would have had to do in six issues of almost anybody else's run. Uh, and, and, you know, as much as we love doing a podcast and putting some content out, trying to put it out at the very least weekly or whatever, I I don't have all the time in the world to research these books. Hell, even if we weren't doing the podcast, I, by my own nature, would be curious about some of this and, and trying to figure out who's this and why and all this. Would I even want to spend that much time trying to research that much information for my own edification? Like I don't that that just seems like too much work for a book.
1: I and I agree with that. I think that is that is part of the problem. I think you could enjoy you could enjoy it for what it is, and maybe and again in a vacuum for an issue or two, maybe you can say, oh, okay, it, it's it's a it's a fun wild ride. But that's not. But you should not have to be doing all this research to read a to book to be to read a monthly book and any arguably any book. But you shouldn't be. But Based on what Green Lantern has been for so long, you should not have to go in so friggin' clueless to so much stuff. I have to read – I have to get all these tidbits just to have any kind of idea, not because you haven't been paying attention to your own character, your own book, or your own mythology, but but because a lot of this stuff is just Grant Morrison bringing in his own shit that he's been working on for years that some people like and some people read but a lot of people don't know about and a a lot of people don't care about. But it just makes it kind of, it makes it hard, and it's and it's and it's frustrating. I think it, I think it can be frustrating to have to, especially if you, I mean, forget about having to review it, which makes you know, you did the last issue, I did the last issue of the book, you did this issue. It's like, this is not easy stuff to do, and it's and it's it's, it's kind of like he teased us when we had a couple of one-off issues that were not overly con- that. St- and the sliding scale of Grant Morrison were not overly complicated. And they were like one-off stories or two-issue stories. And then and then it's like, okay, good. I, I got you with those. Now I'm going to really... Now, I'm gonna, now here's your payback for it because I'm giving you this stuff. I know some people eat this stuff up and some people like it. To me, it's like, no. It's not... It's not my cup of tea. And this is... As I said the last issue, when I last issue nine and nine and ten now this is everything I feared a Grant Morrison run on Green Lantern would be that's what I've kind of gotten uh, and it's kind of weird because it, I guess I guess his whole take on what a police procedural is which I don't think we've gotten nearly as much of as we thought we were going to I mean at least or maybe this is what he always thought a police procedural in space would be like but to me it's it, that's not even kind of what this book has really been for the most part. But I just think it's it's I don't know. This is just I think exactly what Corwin said earlier is perfect. Is that yeah, it's got it's kind of like wonky. It's kind of gone. It's going to go, kind of gone off the rails a little from how this book I think surprised a lot of people when it started, and now it's like it's like oh, can't change your spots. This is Morrison being Morrison again. Like,
0: yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I think I think. Uh I mean, I agree with you for the most part. I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm, to the point of the frustration that you are in terms of letting it impact my overall enjoyment of it. Um, but it, it is enough for me to set it down and go, "What did I just read? Am I going to retain any of this information by the time the next issue comes out?" Like, you know, let alone, am I going to be prepared <laughs> to tell the audience the, of the podcast what's happening and why so that uh, I can give them a good encapsulation or whatever? I mean, because, I mean, I, 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 doing what we do with the show, I, I do feel a certain responsibility to, regardless of if you're if you're reading the issues or not, to at least sit here and go, okay, guys, so what you see here is actually a reference to, so if you're interested in this, Lantern, go pick up. I would recommend this, this this like I would I feel a certain responsibility to do that but it would take so much work for this single issue to even do that that it's just like it almost becomes tiring and did it impact my overall enjoyment of just the the sheer insanity and fun and breadth of the story or the art that Liam is throwing down no but at the same time there is this level of just frustration and and Work that has to go into just keeping up with this this thing that I just I can't deny. Um, it's not I- impacting my overall enjoyment just yet, but I mean, if it keeps getting this crazy, I mean, it might it, it it might get to that point.
1: And yeah, I just think I'm. I think we're on the same we're on the same path. I'm just maybe a little further along than you are as far as I'm looking for a fork in the road. <laughs> It, it. I just, I hope he gets back on track as far as the way the book began. You know, we, uh, certainly there are some reasons to believe it will get back on track because of the fact that we know it's all going to tie into, into Mu and to his, you know, his secret weapon and, and everything else he was working on uh, from the very beginning. And obviously the, and the Black Stars because we have the the next book. You know, which will suck that that Sharp's not going to be the artist on that either. That's not good. Uh, I think that's going to let. I think a lot of people are going to be unhappy with that. Even though you would kind of assume, whenever they get done with that and they go back to a Green Lantern book again, that, assuming Morrison's still writing it at that point, that probably Sharp will be back on it. But anytime you're breaking up the creative team when the creative team seems to be working well and popular, it doesn't make people happy. I don't. I just don't know. I, I have no idea what we're getting in eleven. I don't know if, and it's just, it's just, it's just convoluted. It's it. it, it to me, it's convoluted. I understand some people like it, but some people like a lot of Morrison stuff, multiversity, and the other stuff that he's done. And. So, hell, some people like Final Crisis, which I think was the biggest steaming pile I've read in a long time, and, and, and oh, it's true, it, people aren't smart enough to get it. No, it was convoluted, and, and you bring in this v- bad guy in the final issue that wasn't in any of the other issues. If you hadn't read, like, Superman or whatever, you wouldn't have even known who this character was, you know, so – I mean, in the tie-in. So it's 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 not – it's just – I don't know. I, it's not – it's not – Ending well the way things are going from my perspective. I think it started off better than I would have thought it was going to. But now I'm now it's fitting. It's kind of settling into what I was afraid this book was going to be. At least from the Morrison perspective. Not even like I said the police procedural perspective, which I thought, wow, that could be really boring. You can't say it's boring. There's no you. You got to say that no matter what he's doing, it's not boring. Maybe confusing. Maybe unsatisfying. It's not boring. But I I don't know I well let's let's see how this how this book ends and what the hell why the black stars are where they are and why Hal is there and let's see what the what the relationship is and where that goes but I I am kind of longing for some more actual normal quote unquote what we're used to for like oh no I don't know like the last 10 years of stuff I'm kind of I'm kind of yearning a little for for a nice Green Lantern story like that <laughs>
0: All right. Anything else we want to say about uh, any of the feedback we received, the rant I went on, either of these two issues, anything like that?
1: I, I really am so glad I got to do the Sinestro issue, <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which will be – You're screwed next episode, buddy. Yeah, I was going to say I'll be screwed because if I had to guess, I would guess the Green Lantern 12 is probably going to be an easier issue than Green Lantern 11. I could be wrong by this. I mean he continues to impress us by taking us deeper into the abyss. But I'm, I but eleven seems like it's gonna be really bad if I had to guess on that level. <laughs> yes, but that's that yeah. I'll call him sick that day.
0: <laughs> all right, so I guess we're moving on to some of the Spider Man Disney uh, yeah. news that came out. I'm going to read straight from the CBR article. I'm just going to do this one sort of uh, two sentence blurb here so people get an idea of what's happening.
1: And we're, we're recording this on Tuesday, so we're recording this today. All this stuff has come out.
0: Correct. Um, and there's already been an update saying negotiations yes, are actually still ongoing. But um, essentially the the article came out, and the, the idea was that the deal between Disney and Sony fell apart. In the article uh, specifically regarding the MCU, Spider-Man, the use of Spider-Man, all that stuff, um, from CBR, it's it says, It seems Disney asked for all future Spider-Man projects to be a 50-50 co-financing arrangement between Marvel and Sony, but Sony declined. Instead, Sony promised uh, proposed leaving the current deal untouched, meaning Marvel would continue to receive approximately 5% of first-dollar gross while maintaining merchandising, merchandising rights, which Disney refused. So that is the gist of why, supposedly, that deal fell apart. Uh, an update has come out that it is actually still... Uh, on, ongoing, according to various reps or whatever, that the negotiations are still ongoing. But uh, w- we wanted to bring it up and talk about it.
1: So, in relation to this, and I'm going to re- refer back to something you and I had talked about before on this show, cause it, because it Remember, that wasn't that long ago, right after, probably like the first week after Home, uh, Far from Home came out. There was the the reporting of the little like uh, fine print in the Sony Marvel contract, which was if far from home, didn't make over a billion dollars, technically Sony had the right to opt out to say from, from having Marvel be involved in producing and create in, in being in, involved in the creative process for the third Spider-Man movie. Now, even then, when we talked about it, it's like, besides the fact it was almost a given it was going to do a billion, it would be really stupid at that time for Sony to have done that. Now, essentially, Sony, in a way, is kind of doing exactly that, because technically speaking, the, the, the deal that they really had... Was unless unless it was only un, unless it truly was a complete option, and maybe it was. Maybe maybe this is what they're referring to. Maybe they, maybe it was always like a like in in sports. You know, sometimes it's a player option on the contract. Sometimes it's a team option on the contract. So maybe this option was was always in Sony's hands. So at any time, they could really. Not pick up the option. It just was. It, they just had an automatic out to not do it if it didn't reach its financial goal, which of course it did. Either way, my view on this until un, until we get to the point of no return, and we're nowhere near that. I'm going to quote that the the great Gr- Green Bay Packer philosopher Aaron Rodgers and say, "Relax. <laughs> At this point, people just relax because the odds are overwhelmingly in favor." Of these two working this out. Because it's in their best interest to work it out. I mean, it's not just that... I mean, Marvel has put invested so much, especially in Far From Home, and tying it so much into the MCU. And into the, the legacy of Tony Stark. And Sony benefits so much from being able to tie have all those ties to the MCU that it doesn't make a lot of sense for them not to be able to work this out. I mean, it would stink. I mean, don't get me wrong. If this turns out to actually be the case where they don't resolve this and they go their separate ways, it's going to suck. I mean, I, I, I felt that... I, I was thinking about this before. On an emotional level, it would impact me because of the fact that Spider-Man has become so important to the MCU and you wanted to see where that was going to go, especially in the... but the Infinity Saga done and there's a whole lot of missing pieces here for who's going to despite what they are trying to do whether these uh, home runs are going to be hit or not by all these new franchises that Marvel's going to be be putting movies out to prop up and to push that Spider-Man was, would be a key thing for them and Sony has absolutely benefited from the from, the, from, from, from Feige's influence and oversight and everything else it would make too much sense for this to go to go by to, for this to blow up. Now, and if it does, you know, it, the, the interesting thing is debating who it's going to hurt, who would would hurt more. I mean, the MCU has invested so much in Spider-Man, it kind of it it would. Now, they, now, mind you, this is not something. It's not like they can't let this sit and come back to it, because in a way, where they and maybe this was part of the the thinking process. Obviously Sony is going to be doing another Spider-Man movie at some point and maybe philosophic maybe more than philosophically maybe practically this is why conveniently enough there was no announcement for another Spider-Man movie in phase in phase 4 that the reality is based on the where Spider-Man Far From Home ended there could be a, there could be a you could want a sizable gap before the movie before the character comes back and catch up and see everything that he's been going through in his life since, since that event so they could always come back and do this deal again I don't know Sony now yeah, don't get me wrong if di- and mind you whoever leaks the story gets to control the narrative and clearly this was a Sony leak based on the, the information we've gotten this has to be a Sony leak because they're the ones playing up the fact that that Disney Marvel now wants like 50% of the pie as opposed to the 5% of the money that they currently get
0: well, if you believe the other reports coming out, if if Sony's the one who put out this information, it really bit them in the ass as their market share dropped.
1: Well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying it was. It was. It was smart because we know a lot of people. A lot of times you leak stories or you try to spin stories. or try where you're trying to make the other person look like the bad guy, and it, and it kind of blows up in your face. Now, yeah, it. it it makes sense. There's, you know, there's, there's the shares would drop because because Sony has Sony has absolutely financially. I think Sony because don't forget Sony be, Sony pretty much gets all the money from the Spider-Man movies. Marvel benefits from being able to use Spider-Man in, in other movies, but Sony actually gets the money. The, the, the overwhelming majority of the money that it makes at the box office, the Spider-Man movies, plus they get the bonus of having the draw-in. It's being tied to the MCU. So if Disney actually really is literally is literally going to stick. Say, hey, we want fifty percent of this. Okay, we'll co- we'll compromise. We'll go down to forty-five. If they really are are going to try to play hardball like that, then Sony yes probably is going to walk away. Though, so like you said, and like we both kind of said in different ways, if Sony thought by getting ahead of this and by spinning it, oh Disney, greedy Disney, greedy Disney. Which a lot of people, mind you, would just automatically agree with, even if there's no truth in it, and will want to eat that up. If that turns out turns out to backfire on them, the way it may very well backfire, and make it, and so they come out looking like the bad guys, like, oh, come on, make the deal, but that, yeah, then Sony may then Sony may acquiesce, and maybe that was, maybe that, maybe in Marvel's own thinking, that's what they were doing all along, or Disney and Marvel were thinking all along that, hey, you know. At the end of the day, we think we're okay. I mean, we want Spider-Man, but they, you know, and we we want Spider-Man, but we don't need Spider-Man. But Sony needs us more than we need them. They could they could be rolling the dice on that, and I can understand why they would want to get a, a bigger piece of the pie. And depending on the trade-off, and I think there's things that can be traded for that. I mean, it's like if Sony gets. If Sony gets, the, maybe it'll be something, nothing more than a trade-off. Where yes, you'll, you'll get a bigger piece of the pie, but now what we want in return is we want to be able to use other MCU characters and some of our other properties. So if we want to put us, if we want to put, if we want to put the friggin', friggin' Hulk in a Venom movie, we can do that. So it doesn't have to just be a Spider-Man movie. We can, we can have, we have a certain number of characters. And you and you you're involved in the creative process on these projects, but if we but we have a right to use a certain number of characters to, in a certain number of movies, and that could be the way they work around it too. It's like because that'll help their box, it will further their ties to the MCU, and it'll absolutely increase the odds of getting uh, more business by bringing in some of the uh, already established MCU characters into to, to to go into their the characters that they own from the, the Spider Verse and everything else. I. At the end of the day, I I'm going to stick to this. I think they will get this resolved because it's in their it's ultimately in their best interest too. And they have so much invested. This is, I think we talked about this. The, the the direction they went with from Far From Home. If you didn't really think you were going to get a deal worked out, that was a really odd direction to go in. To make that whole movie be about. Yeah, I mean we know Mysterio is a Spider Man character, so Sony has the right to him anyway. But tying it so much into Tony Stark and the legacy and all that I mean why I mean I I can't see why the MCU would might want to do that I don't know why Sony would be so beholden to that if they if they really didn't think they were gonna get this done because it does t- somewhat bind their hands especially with spider with Parker being tied so much to happy and and what's left of you know Tony's legacy you know it's it's just odd I think' I think they'll work it out I think. You know, Maybe this was even a tr- like a trial balloon being floated out to see how people would react to this. Obviously, it wasn't a wise short-term financial decision if your stocks go down over it, but people panic over everything. That's half the problem with the stock market. All you have to do is float one little thing out and people all of a sudden start panicking. But the reality is I think, so- I think they'll make a deal. I just think this is a bump in the road and the mere fact that – like hours after this thing first came out then you had to have an update saying well a deal is still possible. Well of course a deal was always possible. And you know until a movie is cast and being filmed technically speaking they could still make they could still make the deal cuz you can't anticipate a uh, another Spider-Man movie coming out before what? 2021 probably at the earliest. Mm. So the reality is there's plenty of time to to make this deal and to so I I'm I am upset if this falls through completely. Yes, will I be upset by it? Yeah, I'll be upset by it. I think it's I think it's a really lost opportunity. But I would I have to have faith that they both realize they're gaining something from this. And even if it's getting other concessions from Marvel, if Marvel's willing to you know as long as Marvel's willing to concede some things in order to get a little bit more of what they want. And you can understand Marvel wanting a little bit more money because obviously Sony is benefiting from the ties to the MCU. You know, I think Far From Home was like Sony's biggest movie, uh, like period. I believe I think that might be their biggest movie ever now. So yeah, I can understand why you know they would want a bigger share of it. But they also have they they should be respectful of the fact that technically they don't own the property. They gave it away, and they're, and this is the closest they're ever going to get to having the property back in all likelihood. So they should be willing to play ball and play nice. And that's, again, assuming that any of this stuff is absolutely true, that D- Disney was really asking for, like, going from a 5% cut to a 50, 50% cut. I can't believe they would actually actually really ask for that and, have, and really believe – and that was their line in the sand. Yeah, we're willing to settle for 50, and that's – yeah, I find that really difficult to believe considering that it would be – talk about the ultimate stretch. Well, we'll su- – We'll see. I, I, we'll, fi- you know, we'll find out about this down the road. I don't think there'll be final resolution to this anytime soon. But I, I wouldn't give up yet. I would not panic for people who are really concerned or upset about this. I would, I would keep your fingers crossed that it's gonna, it's gonna work out until there's basically until there's no time for it to work out.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, you want to go ahead and I guess close this out then.
1: Lanterncast.com, uh, G- Lanterncast at gmail.com, or iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Uh, that went blank for a second. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, hashtag GLcast. Uh, we're on. The, you can use that to find us on those. And 708 Lantern is the voicemail. So let us know what you think. Uh, we will try to keep up with not that we've overlooked a lot of it but we'll try to keep up with with feedback when you give it to us uh, a little more promptly maybe then and i think that's it because we do not 100 percent know what next episode is going to be yet
0: all right guys we'll talk to you later
1: good night everybody
0: good night